This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for June 8th, 2021. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast, and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, I'm Max Pierce. Join alongside, as always, my co-host and friend Case Lowe. And Case, we're going to lead off tonight talking some New Japan for positively for like one of the first times, I think, in the last three years. But how do you feel about this new quote-unquote era we are entering in? Well... God, I mean, is it a, I guess, yeah, if we want to be kind to New Japan, we can call it a new era of the promotion. I I am someone who is still very much aware of everything that's going on in New Japan, even if, especially this year, I have tapped out on watching almost everything that doesn't have at least uh, Shingo Takagi or Will Ospreay involved in, in some semblance. Uh, you know, I still think the promotion going forward, not to get too into the weeds of New Japan, this is not the Super J cast, but I still think the promotion is going to be terrible for a long time. I think they have too many issues and belting up Shingo Takagi, which is the reason we're talking about New Japan, is not going to fix all of those issues. But I'll be damned if I wasn't walking around the city of Chicago yesterday with a smile on my face, thinking about how Shingo the first graduate of the Drangate Dojo is now the IWGP world champion. I think that is, I, I, I'm just, I'm so stoked about it. I think it's so cool. I think that's the the, the only word that comes to mind is I, I, I can point to this and I can go, damn, that's really cool. Yeah. And if anything, this is just confirming something that people who follow the Dragon system have been aware of Takaki's career for the last 16 years already knew is that Shingo Takagi is one of the most uh, incredible professional wrestlers, not just of our era, but of all time. And it's just, it's nice, like, one, to see someone that, I mean, we spent a lot of time with Al, with Alan for the last few months talking about Shingo Takagi and his uh, position, you know, and time. And if anything, this was just confirming our beliefs. And it's something that it... When we talk about the dragon system and we talk about Dragon Gate, it's kind of like you and I think like seeing 
the response that I've been able to tell, everyone kind of, it seemed like within Dragon Gate and the Dragon System, one like, hey, that's one of our guys and he did the big thing. And it's kind of some, it's similar to what happened with like Akira Tozawa when he went to WWE and whenever he comes up, comes around, everyone very kind of like it, smiling and like patting on back. So like, this is our guy. He's the worldwide superstar. But like seeing the response from people on the roster, about Shingo's win was one of those one of those more heartening moments because it's something that kind of shows where the promotion has gone over the last now really three years well yeah that was the most fun aspect of this for me is seeing who was posting on social media about Shingo because really the the entire active Dragon Gate roster from Mochizuki to Fuji to Jason Lee to Susumu to whoever we're all sending their congratulatory tweets to Shingo. And I, I I just, I thought that was really cool. Again, cool is the word that I want to use. But for people like us, I think we have to take a step back and go like, oh my God, a guy from Dragon Gate is now at the top of New Japan. Like that is far and away. And I, I don't know if you agree with this, but to me, far and away, the greatest accomplishment of the dragon system. And that's not to slight all of the phenomenal, consistently great work for 20 years that Dragon Gate and Toriyamon have done, but this puts them in a level that, you know, they weren't, you know, it's not like Shima and the 2000 super J cup. It's not like when Hulk and Shingo and speed muscle were winning the GHC junior tag belts. This is an entirely different animal. This is a, you know, for, as mainstream as pro wrestling can get in Japan, this is as mainstream as it gets. And as I talked about over at VoicesWrestling.com, I, I once again wrote some words about Shingo. I did uh, an article right after the Will Ospreay versus Shingo match from 2019, their, their best of the Super Juniors match. I talked about how, you know, at that point, Shingo had been in New Japan for less than a year. And when he came in, you know, we thought he was going to be Bushi's tag team partner. I mean, we really thought that was kind of going to be his role. And then all of a sudden he went to the finals of the Super Juniors. And then it was like, hey, maybe he's going to do this open weight thing. And that's kind of where the article leaves off is, you know, right before he challenged Kojima and beat Kojima. And then right before his first G1 run. And it was about, you know, if New Japan really wanted to pull the trigger on Shingo, that idea of pulling the trigger to me was him winning the never open weight title and having matches with Ishii and with Goto and, you know, uh, Taichi defense in there, whatever it is. And to me, I thought that was going to be a ceiling. And as time has gone on, he has just continued to blow past any barrier that new Japan has put in his way to a point that, you know, Hiroshi Tanahashi has talked openly about whatever Shingo is in the ring, Tanahashi is watching. Like, Hiroshi Tanahashi has just become a giant fan of Shingo Takagi. That is canon in New Japan now, which I find to be this amazing thing. And it's just, uh, it's just a great moment. It was one of those moments in New Japan this year. You know, all year really has been a source of frustration for so many people. This Road to Dominion tour has been mocked and ridiculed, and rightfully so, for some of the embarrassing cards and embarrassing houses they've drawn in Corrigan Hall. But this seemed like a universal win. I mean, anyone that just, you know, has any sort of respectable opinion seem to really embrace the idea of Shingo winning. And not only, and I, I wrote about this over VoicesWrestling.com, not only did he win, but the story here is not that Okada will eventually overcome the odds and beat Shingo. The story was that Shingo Takagi 
beat Kazuchika Okada in a singles match and then put him in the rear view. And I am, you know, the biggest Shingo fan there is. And if you would have told me that even six months ago, even at the Tokyo Dome, January 5th, after Shingo wrestled Jeff Cobb and what was an incredible match, I would have said, you're out of your fucking mind. There's no way that's going to happen. But Shingo has consistently been one of the best wrestlers in the world since arguably since 2005. I mean, it's really been that that long of a streak and it's incredibly impressive and no one deserves this more than him. And it's something like, like covering him because you, you wrote more about him when he was in new Japan with like the, the idea that like, yeah, no, his glass ceiling for a lot of, for, for a lot of people, everyone was like, oh yeah, never like he'll be the next generation never star. And that'll be great for him. Like, like that, that is a role that like, I felt like that if you would tell me in 2018, when he left, like, it's like, oh yeah, no, he's gonna have a great juniors run. He's going to become one of the more dominant junior heavyweight wrestlers they have in this era and then he's going to eventually be slotted in slotted in as the never openweight champion i've been like you know what makes sense not mad about it you know like that that is like the good outcome here and it's something that because of all of this i i went back and read through some of the stuff i wrote and this is not me patting myself on the back but it's just one of those things that occasionally like i like going back and seeing where i thought at where i was thinking at the time and the way that he left dragon gate and i wrote a piece right when he announced it, right when he announced he was departing Dragon Gate in October of 2018. And the, the, the big thing is that I noted was like the, the biggest loss about him is the fact that he is this once-in-a-generation wrestler and that we weren't going to see anyone else like him in the Dragon System. And it was something that when I wrote this, I kind of viewed it more as a farewell. And of course, I wouldn't know that he would be going to New Japan. I feel like that a lot of people were were suspecting that he was going to go become like a big freelancer and end up with like Sekimoto and Okabayashi and because or like doing some all Japan and then eventually landing somewhere. But it seemed like that he was going to go the freelancer route for a while. But, yeah, the, the consensus, not to cut you off there, but just the, the consensus at the time was, OK, Shingo's going to do big Japan. He's going to do all Japan. He's probably going to get booked in WXW. He had been there before. It seemed like he was itching to go back. He had just done Bola. I had talked to promoters in the U.S. at that time who were trying to get contact info for Shingo. They wanted to bring him over because they had the idea that he was going to be this unrestricted freelancer and he could do whatever he wanted. And of course, this was right around the time that Hiromu got dumped on his neck by Dragon Lee, and that's not faulting Dragon Lee. That's just literally what happened. And all of a sudden, a spot opened up, but this is you know, right place, right time. And he's capitalized on it better than anybody could have imagined. Yeah, no. And and, and the, the thing that like the article, what, why I want to do this is like thinking about how he was as a, and I love this phrase and I'm trying to not overuse things as a singular wrestling figure in the dragon system. And it's something that's really heartening to see like now through almost three years after the fact, like he had, it, it, it's Shingo. Like it is Shingo Takagi, it's Mr. Selfish, it is the, the the pumping bomber, and now he's on the top of the mountain here. And it's just one of those things that's so remarkable, and it's not like I have any illusions about what his future will be, or like this is going to be like this 12-month, 10 defense championship run. That's not how New Japan works really anymore. Like that's just not... The, the, that that era and like those kind of runs, they're not going to have those kind of runs probably until like they're ready to like do their generational shift. 
but it's just really heartwarming to see and especially heartwarming to see the response like we talked about it but seeing like everyone going like wow and then like you might going like yeah i've already sent you a line text but i want to say this publicly like this is awesome and no no, no response was better than you know my main man don fuji apparently just getting loaded and calling everyone on the roster yeah, D- don fuji took shingo winning a match as an opportunity to get hammered which i feel like really defines don fuji's personality uh, a, a very good man one i would break edge for if he offered me a beer i couldn't possibly turn down don fuji mike and i uh, i guess it, this was more mike's crusade yesterday and i do think this is worth mentioning there's a few different uh people that i want to mention that at some point were associated with shingo that spoke up yesterday one of them being shima which i do think is noteworthy Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think we have to dive into the history of Shingo and Shima. If you're unfamiliar with why Shima sending out a congratulatory tweet was kind of a big deal, may I direct you in the Open the Voice Gate podcast feed, uh, Mike and I's Drangit USA Rewind and Rewatch series, the episode that covered Freedom Fight 2010. So this was probably released about a year ago uh, at this yeah. time. We went really deep into the history of Shima and Shingo and, and Shima and Tozawa and the friction that is there. So I would recommend that if you're not familiar with their history. We talked about it in association with the the singles match between Shima and Shingo on that show. Mike, were there any any thoughts you wanted to share on the podcast about Shima shouting out Shingo? Well, most notably is when he chose to do it, you know? And the way he did it, I mean, those are two things. I mean, every, it, it did kind of seem like that, at least within like the Dragon Gate roster, there probably were people, it seemed like everyone was watching it live from when they did like, did like the holy crap, he did it kind of tweets. And it was about four hours, I would say, case after the show was over, five maybe, that Shima did congrats. And then two like just emojis and retweeted a Tokyo sports thing. Yeah, I thought that was the funniest part was that it was a Tokyo sports article that Shiba like quote tweeted. It was like, congrats to that, which I think is actually a very good representation of that relationship. I thought that was a really funny takeaway from this. Yeah, uh, also worth noting, uh, no, no one else in Strong Hearts did anything publicly no but we we both saw multiple tweets from japanese accounts that are on our radar that were publicly speculating as to whether or not strong hearts were going to congratulate shingo so that is very much a thing and not just something that mike and i are necessarily looking to stir up there no the other, no, no. The, the other thing that i want to throw at you have you seen the photos from shingo's celebration dinner uh no i have not uh can you drop a link in to it for I, me right now yes i can uh because there are some names here that just absolutely fascinated me because you have you know some of the guys you would expect you had kazuma sakamoto you had takashi yoshida from the dragon gate roster yoshihiro horaguchi who is a kayatai dojo guy yuji okbayashi obviously he and shingo are good friends the name that jumped out to be here because to my knowledge he's never really shared a roster with shingo is a Dragon System alumni that was invited to this dinner in Bear Fukuda, Mike. Bear Fukuda at the yeah. Shingo Celebration Dinner. Yeah, no, that is insane. I'm looking at this now. Uh, yeah, Bear Fukuda being there is just insane. Uh, 
and and it's something that like you look at the roster and you look at like people like it it's known that uh takashi yoshida and shingo takagi are very close friends so of course he would be there uh, i know akira tozawa did a bunch of like tweets and i think he did post something on instagram i'm not on instagram as much as i used to about this uh kazuma sakamoto you know of course like he is the desperado so that's that's really kind of remarkable to see that as well but it's just so cool that to see that and all right that's who i thought it was all right no no so the person who actually tweeted this is a wrestler from ice ribbon so that that that's kind of cool to see as well uh i I forgot where I saw this. This is completely an aside. It was just something that popped me. Uh, it was, I, I, I dropped this into the hallowed Voices of Wrestling Slack earlier yesterday. But someone else who was hanging out with with people was, uh, it seemed like Keisuke Akuda and the great Okan were hanging out yesterday, which is which was very kind of tight to me as well. Did you, did you catch this photo of the most interesting man in the world, Keisuke Akuda with great Okan? I caught that. That is uh, a deadly combination if there ever was one. Kind of had the same energy as to when Yamato and Shinsuke Nakamura used to hang out and people would get really excited over that on Twitter. Okuda and Okan together was like, oh shit, these guys look really cool in the same photo. Uh, so I would recommend that. That's on Kaisuke Okuda's social media. The the Shingo dinner pics are on the Hoshi uh, Hamuko's Twitter account. Yeah. And I, I did you recognize? I know this is a visual bit, so you can go look up the photos if you're curious. But Mike, do you know who the person the yellow beanie is? Yellow beanie. Let me pull it back up. I clicked around because in the first second. picture, the only reason I ask in the first picture it looks like Ricky Choshu, and in the second picture it looks nothing like Ricky Choshu, and so I'm very oh, confused as to who this isn't is. Isn't that isn't that Yukio Miyamoto? Oh, it might be. It might be. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I apologize uh, to to our big Japan fans out there that I was I was unaware of that for just a second. But I thought it was I thought it was Choshu at first, which to me was cool as shit. But it was not. No, 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 no. It, it, I, I, something that I realized I've kind of picked up the knit hat game in Japan is at another level. And I realized last year, like during the winter when it was cold, that I started wearing a lot more knit hats. Like I'm like like both Kazma and Yukio have those. I'm like that's cool as hell. So yeah, knit hats. Good luck. I agree, Mike Spears. Yeah. So, uh, just kind of like, kind of like, just tying a bow on this in a way. Well, well let me ask just... you this. I'm gonna cut you off for okay, the second go time, ahead. but I do apologize. Have you seen? No, no. Uh, have you seen the Shingo versus Okada match from yesterday yet? No. No. Okay. I, I, I would. I, I would make time for it. it. It's the the weird thing about it is, it's my least favorite of the three Shingo Okada matches. I was one of the high votes on their G1 match last year that finished in my top five in the voice of wrestling match of the year poll. I think I am still, I enjoyed their new Japan cup match more than anybody else. I've seen that might be a top five match for me this year. By the time things are all said and done, I, I think people liked that match. I loved that match. This one I have at four and a quarter. Very good. Well worth your time. I, I think it's about as good of an atmosphere as New Japan has had in the COVID environment. So I would I would very much recommend it. Yeah, uh, and I'm glad you brought up like Okada and I, I fired this off, but it's really not something to talk about in 140 characters. But the fact that two and it's kind of difficult with Okada because of he's UD06. This was post split and not the best days of uh, Ultimo Dragon Gym Mexico, but. The fact that the main event of this show was a UDO6 guy 
in the first Dragon Gate Trueborn is something that I maybe it's just me being hyper focused, but I I I hope I've noticed that not a lot of people picked up on how big that was. I, I think it's monumental, and it kind of goes to the talking point that I've been hammering home a lot lately that. I think just because they still have youth on their side and because of their fan base and their in-ring style, I think it just there's a certain level of youthfulness that is prevalent in this promotion. But we're 21 years deep, almost 22 years deep into the Dragon system. And these guys, you know, again, your class one guys, your Shimas, who just had a great match with Masato Tanaka in Zero One, and your Susumus and your Horiguchis. These guys have been going strong for 20 years now. And Shingo is right there behind them at 16 years. Okada has, you know, from from February 2012 through now, I don't know if there's ever been a better nine-year stretch in the history of professional wrestling. And at his core, his foundation, is that he is an Ultimo student. And I think it is just a, a ginormous win for the Dragon System as a whole that these two guys headlined one of the biggest New Japan shows of the year. And, and these are kind of the two wayward sons of the system because... Ultimo had Okada basically for like three years. Then I believe the story is he sold the contract. uh, He sold like the contract that Okada had with him to New Japan. And that gave Ultimo Dragon Jim Mexico some life. And then, of course, right around then, it's kind of folklore. And I don't know necessarily how much of it's truth, how much is not. The training of Shingo Takagi might have happened, started happening in the Torimon days because he was because he debuted what September 2014? It was, was I, it? I think October, but sa- same difference there. But that's why I brought up Bear Fukuda. I think that's really interesting that Bear Fukuda yeah. was a Torimon X guy who spent a lot of time in Torimon, Mexico in 2003, 2004, 2005, and still has a relationship with Shingo. And I think we talked about it in that that Freedom Fight podcast, Freedom Fight 2010 on the Open the Voice Gate, Trying Get USA Rewind and Rewatch, kind of alluding to some some things that we have only heard in the most hushed whispers of of Shingo's training and how that all came to be. I don't think anybody will ever get the opportunity to ask him about it. I don't think he'll ever speak publicly about it, but it is one of my favorite topics to explore because Drangate Forbes in August of 2004 and three months later, like, okay, so we have this prodigy here. He is from the Drangate Dojo. You just think about the time it takes to train a wrestler. You go, hmm. Okay, I wonder when his training started. It seems like this is maybe a guy that that Ultimo would like to at least fight for, would have, you know, maybe brought him down the path of Toribon, Mexico, and then Dragon Door, and then El Dorado, but of course that did not happen. I, I'm curious, I don't know if you have an answer to this, because I know I do not, but do you know what the Okada-Ultimo relationship is like at this point? I have not heard anything, so I either assume that it there is no relationship, or if it is, that's something that's kept in the uh, private versus public veil that is much more prevalent in Japanese wrestling. And that's why this photo that you posted is kind of remarkable where this happens, because there is a significant veil that does not exist anymore in North America and in Europe of public life and private life for professional wrestler. That still very much exists in Japan. Like it, it It's one of those things that very rarely do we hear anything about a wrestler's private life. So I don't know about him and uh, Ultimo at this point. Yeah, I would like to know because I've certainly heard some things about Ishimori and Ultimo not really getting along, yes. which would which would make <laughs> which would make sense if you look at the career of Taiji Ishimori. I could see how there would be some hiccups along the way there, especially in the direction of Ultimo. But it will obviously never happen. But I 
I still think like, God damn, it would be really cool if Okada popped up on one of those Toribon reunion shows, assuming they ever do another one. It won't happen. Don't get excited about it. But it is something I like to think about from time to time. I, I mean, the one thing that I'm kind of looking forward to when we look towards the summer and we look towards the uh, doubleheader that they are having at uh, Kobe World Cannon Hall is I have to figure that Shingo will probably have some sort of message there, some video message like he did for the 20th anniversary show. You know? Yeah, that's, well, that's well, a very good point. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm going to be interested to see that, and especially the fact that he's probably not going to drop because I'll be during G1 time or right before the G1 time. He'll he'll probably be doing that message as IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, which is another kind of remarkable thing as well. Yeah, because they set up the match between he and Ibushi, and Shingo should, I guess, with New Japan booking anything as possible, but Shingo should win that match, and then will be hovering around the G1 again around that time period because i don't i think they're going to move it back again this year because of the olympics so i don't know when exactly that's going to happen but i would think shingo will head into the g1 and into the fall as your iwgp world champion so that will be very exciting i guess while we're while we're in this ballpark i've been meaning to ask you this question just in private and it's kind of a natural transition to ask you this now on the podcast but was ibushi at some point was cody ibushi like associated with yes. Toriyamon X or yes. at least some sort of ultimate suit. Can you get, can you give me the information that you have? Cause I really know nothing about this. Toriyamon X remains and rightfully so my biggest blind spot in the entire history of the dragon system. So it's not really Toriyamon X, but it is dragon door. Um, the big story of Ibushi was Ibushi wanted to apply to Toriyamon, but he fucked up his application. Very odd because brand. I've seen nothing has changed over the last 15 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's the folktale. And I don't know if the folktale is true, but it's the thing that was always kind of talked about there. Then he was part of Dragon Door for his very brief existence. And of course, he ended up with DDT. And that was really kind of where like he got his name. And then they did the uh, the DDG shows for a while. But yeah, he has like a, this weird, like it, it, we talk about Lucharus as like a giant tree. And then there's like the Dragon System branch, and then there was the uh, Michinoku Pro branch. But like, I wouldn't say that there is like a branch with uh, Kota Ibushi. I, he's like a bird that like perches on the tree and hops from branch to branch. You know, Th- that's why I asked because I literally had no idea how to categorize him. And again, if you want to use almost like this family tree analogy, I have no clue where he fits into that. All I know is that. And the handful of matches that he wrestled for Dragon Gate, uh, the DDG show in 2008, which was Hulk, Cyber Kong, and Shingo, which is one of the best Dragon Gate trios of all time, against Honda, Harashima, and Ibushi. That match is incredible. And he, then he's in that great Triangle Gate match at Stormgate, uh, the pay-per-view in 2007, Fuji, Kness, and Mochizuki against Cyber Kong, Shingo, and Ibushi. So they teamed there as a trio. And that match is terrific as well. And, you know, God, the, the alternate universe where Kota Ibushi is just in the dragon system is an amazing thing to think about it. I, you know, it's not like we need to sit here and go, Oh, can you imagine Ibushi versus Yamato in 2009? That's not really the point of this, but it is amazing. Just the sheer amount of power that you're even your loosely dragon system affiliated guys have within wrestling right now, obviously in Japan, Okada, Shingo, Ibushi in America, Pac is doing his thing. Ricochet on main event killing it good for him hope he's happy eat shit you know maybe just do something different with your life if this is how you're gonna wrestle uh but it's you know it's just amazing to see you know 20 years has really paid off for the dragon system 
Yeah, yeah. And it's something that I think that it's... I, I know we wave this flag, but I think people now really have to recognize that Dragon Gate has been the number two promotion in Japan pretty much since 2009. And then you look at, like, now Shingo Takagi, the champion in the top promotion in Japan. Pac was in the main event fighting for the number two promotion in North, Americans, North America's world title last week. And then you, you have the, the Seidel brothers also in AEW. You have Akira Tozawa in WWE along with Ricochet, Rich Swan in Impact. And it's just one of those things that I don't think, and, and of course we both believe this, I don't think enough people recognize like how formulative the 2006 to 2012 period was to how wrestling is right now. Just because of just how the dragon system has spread throughout the wrestling landscape. And I guess, and this is something that, you know, we can speculate on for years because I think we're probably at least a decade away from any of this possibly coming to fruition. There's no guarantee that it does. But you look at the behind the scenes power brokers right now and Gato and Jado and Dick Togo and Nozawa out of the question. And realistically, you could put some Drangate guys in those positions you know what, decade from now, 15 years from now, and I think wrestling would be better off if guys from Drangate were running it instead of Nozawa. Hey, I mean, Nozawa asks the, the important questions such as how many times can we do heel turns and ruin our future race? You know, I mean, like someone has to God, ask the question. The, the, like, I complain a lot about New Japan booking because I do think it's terrible at this point. Nothing, and I mean nothing other than Monday Night Raw is as bad as pro wrestling Noah booking because I like their roster. I love Nakajima. We talked about Seki Yoshioka on the show a few weeks ago, how I think he's one of the best juniors in Japan. And he's just an absolute non-entity in Noah from top to bottom. I just hate that promotion. And there's so many guys (laughs) that I like on the roster. It's consistently the biggest bummer reading about a big Noah show and going, Oh, that's what they did? Jesus Christ. It, it, it's something that I always point this out, but now that I do this in private, but I'll do this public now. Why are people surprised that this is how Nosawa Rongai books? Have people ever looked at a Tokyo Carnival or Nosawa Bombay show? Well, we're lucky well, this is as bad as it gets. We're lucky that he doesn't well, have access well, to old luchadors no. right now. <laughs> I, I mean, the number one question he's going to ask anyone who's going to come aboard is, is this someone that could team with me as we job to Mel Mascaris and Dory Funk Jr. I was going to say, you get Nakajima in the ring with Mascaris at this point, you know who's taking the fall, and it's not the guy that wears the mask. Yep, yep, yeah. Uh, anything else you want to hit on before we get into the rest of the show? I don't think so, although now I'm thinking about how Katsuhika Nakajima also spent time in Dragate and how he was fucking yep. awesome in his brief time there. Look, if I you're mean... a professional wrestler, may I suggest wrestling in Dragate? It will make your career better. Hey, there is opportunities that Japan's going to have to like start going through with people who are vaccinated. And I know that 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 there are people on the radar of Dragon Gate Japan. If you're someone who takes it all seriously, you you should get 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 everything in check. This is like your time to really like get everything together before everything opens up probably or you're able to get in, in the fall. Like may I don't think I, that's may, an unfair thing to say. I suggest entering the MLW draft seems like a great opportunity for a few guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've noticed that Dragon Gate has not drafted anyone yet in that draft. Have you? 
Uh, that is a very fair observation. I I, I assume Dragate is taking cash cash considerations and will will take like f- the, what they'll do. They'll take like four picks in 2024 and they'll go. Okay, Corp Bauer, you push this guy, this guy, and this guy. They are now ours. They are going to be with us. You have to build your promotion back from the ground up. Thank you for fostering this talent. They are now our property, and we look forward to using them until the end of time. That's how I see this relationship going on the best case scenario. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, support for Open the Voice Gate is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners today, 20% off and free shipping for the promo code OTVG at manscaped.com. And Kiss, I don't know about you, but with how things are already this summer, in the upstate of South Carolina. I am thankful for the crop preserver right now. Mike Spears, I am literally sweating profusely as I talk about Manscaped, the lawnmower 3.0, the crop preserver, among other things, because I live in an apartment with no air conditioning and I have been feeling it lately. The other thing I've been feeling is myself because Mike Spears, uh, I- I'm lining up some dates for this weekend. I'm going to be out of the town. Uh, Genki Horiguchi's homecoming show, that could be watched on demand. I have places to be and people to see. And before I go out of the town, I'm going to make sure that I use my Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 kit that has the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0. The third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. I have had zero issues with mine. It is a nice, smooth shave every time. The LED light for a more precise shave really helps me out, and it's waterproof, so I can do it while I'm singing to Morrissey in the shower. Of course, like Mike mentioned, the Crop Preserver, which keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. I can't recommend Manscaped enough. And don't give your money to Joe Lanza and Rich Krejci. Don't use whatever their promo code is. Listen to your boys at Open the Voice Gate, okay? We're allies to all of you. 20% off and free shipping with what's the code OTVG? OTVG, that's the code. At manscaped.com, 20% off and free shipping. There's no reason to have untrimmed smelly balls this summer because Caselow and Mike Spears are going to take care of that issue for you. Yeah, that's it. Just one more time. You get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code OTVG at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping and use the promo code OTVG. It's easy to remember. It's it's the show's initials. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. In case, it is an interesting time in the Dragon Systems schedule. We were speculating about how things are going to go. We'll, we'll talk about Kunamoto in a bit, but boy... Their first June show in the friendly confines of Kobe Sambo Hall. I, I, I'm ready to say this now. How I felt in 2018 and 2019 about Kobe Sambo Hall, that's in the rear view. Because I'll tell you this, whenever there's a show in Kobe now, I know I'm in for about two and a half hours of a good time. And that's what I had with the show they had on the 5th. I forget who mentioned it to us on Twitter recently, but somebody was asking us if we thought Drangate was deliberately, I guess, showing more care in Sambo Hall compared to their Corican cards. And I don't necessarily know if I'm fully on board with that idea, but I do fully subscribe to the idea that the dire days 
of Kobe Sambo Hall, the most lazily put together cards with the most basically structured and uninspired Dragon Gate multi-man matches up and down the card. Those days are over. This show, did the undercard do a ton for me? No, it did not. Did the last two matches deliver? Absolutely, they did. Yeah, and uh, attendance 309, they're still, you know, doing pretty solid what they've been doing in uh, their home arena, basically. But even with that, with like the first hour and 15 minutes of the show, you know, you knew what you were going to get with the undercard. And after we had some tough love for the Corkin and for Dead or Alive, everyone brought their A game to Kobe Sambo Hall on the 5th. The show will be up on the network until the 12th. Yeah, and I, I would recommend, I mean, we'll go through match by match here, but there are a few matches that if you normally skip Sambo Hall shows, perhaps you're still trying to recover from your PTSD from 2018 and, and 2019. Like, I know Mike for a long time uh, was not doing well when it came to seeing Kobe Sambo Hall, even on paper. This man would break out in the hives. He would send me a Slack DM, be very stressed out at the prospect of having to watch one of these shows. Not anymore, though. Not anymore. These shows are a lot of fun, and like I said, there are a few matches here that I'll be sure to recommend. Yep, yep. Uh, just starting from the opener, we had High End make their uh, Kobe Samba Hall debut with Kagatora as the fifth member. Uh, I'm assuming he pretty much ran back his promo saying that he is the mic worker of this group. Benkei and Keisuke Akuda, who had entrance masks together, did not seem very pleased, but that led into our opener. It was the aforementioned Benske team of Benkei and Keisuke Akuda teaming with the principal Ultimo Dragon versus a Really fun kind of trio if you thought about it. Naruki Toy with Natural Vise members, UT and Funky Jackie Kame. It was Ben K getting the win with the spear in 13 minutes and 10 seconds on Funky Jackie Kame. The Ben K and Kame chemistry is going to eventually result in the most fun King of Gate match possible. Those two are going to be lined up on a singles match at some point in their careers and it's going to rock because in their few interactions that they've had in the year and a half that Kamei has been around, I always like the work they do together. I think, you know, Ben K is obviously a big imposing muscular figure on this roster compared to everybody, but especially compared to Kamei, he really towers over him and is twice as wide as Kamei is. And Kamei plays off that a lot of flash pins, a lot of evasive counters in this match and a hot finishing stretch here for what was a pretty fun opening match. Yeah, and this was the first time we got to see UT and Kamei really team together. And I, oh, we were already speculating like this could be a really fun tag team. And, you know, their team worked together. I mean, they're two of the smallest guys on the roster. Kind of, it was kind of just this really funny thing of Naruki Doi with his annoying children with this trio that they had. And they, they, they really brought it here. Kamei had a rough cork uh, and debut as Funky Jackie Kamei. Brought it here again in Sambo Hall. The, the closing stretch was really great. The flash pins that Kamei gets and he gets a couple deep two counts on it and then Ben K just absolutely destroyed him with the spear and it looked awesome yeah speared him in half and you're exactly right this was the rebound performance that Kamei needed didn't light the world on fire by any means but he also just went back to being his usual credible self and I I chalk that cork and outing up to likely his nerves but also you know, Rio Saito can still go to some extent, but if I'm doing an intricate pinning combination with somebody down the stretch of a match, I don't know if Rio Saito is my first pick. I don't know if he's my 15th pick on this roster, 
for somebody that I would like to do that sequence with. So just a bad combination for Kamei. It's a shame that happened at Corkin Hall, and it could have been hidden away on, you know, the Sabo Hall show or in Hokkaido or in Fukuoka. It's a real bummer that that happened on Corkin Hall with so many eyeballs on it. But he rebounded here. He's fine. Like I said uh, at the Corkin review, like I'm saying here, I'm not worried about him. I think it was just a rare, rare misfire for funky Jackie Kamei, which, by the way, Mike, did you see the next night on the non-televised show? They ran Don Fuji and Naruki Doi versus Susumu and Kamei, and that match went 16 minutes. God, where were they? Uh, they would have had to have been around uh, Kansai for that match. Oh, man, I wish I could see that. Yeah, that that's, was, that's right that's up very much my. Yeah, that's what I'll say. Oh, yeah, no, it was a Mie. It was a Mie. So, yeah, gosh. That was the uh, that was the semi main event too. Yeah, that did. Yeah, oh, no. that, was a, that was no, that was a five match show that did go on fourth. So yeah, man, I if anybody if anybody uh, was at that show and happens to have a fan cam, slide into our DMs. Yeah, yeah, geez, and it, it, it's something that like Kamei, like he's still very much a prospect in a lot of ways, but he has the tools I think to just be one of the more just like energetic people on the roster. Like his top rope missile drop kick, like. For a guy his size, getting that much hang time is remarkable. Yeah, no, it's, I, I love his foundation. I love what he's working with, and I, I can't wait to see what he does in the immediate future. Yep, and then you, you, you spoke of Ryo Saito in a rare three-way singles match. It was Ryo Saito, Ginky, Horiguchi, and Punch Tomaga facing off against each other. Ryo Saito got the win with the rare double cross on Punch Tomaga in seven minutes and 14 seconds. Uh really was more of a handicap match in a lot of ways for P- old punch Samanaga. You know, he, he, he it was the day before his former mentor slash tormentor won the IWGP title, and Marahi Safa did not have an easy night for him. I don't ever anticipate Shingo wrestling in Dragon Gate again unless it's like a retirement match of sorts. But if this man comes back to the promotion at any point... You can make the argument, well, you know, I want to see him against Ben K, or I want to see him against Akuda, or Shun Skywalker, or, you know, Dragon Daya. I'm sure those two would have amazing chemistry. You get Shingo versus KZ, now that KZ's all grown up. I would understand your thought process, but that thought process is wrong. What you want is for Shingo to come back into this promotion and squash Punch Tamanaga one more time. Because watching this match, even uh, before Shingo had won the belt, I'm kind of sitting here thinking... Damn, I just wish Punch would get his ass kicked again. I, I'm not really interested <laughs> in this three-way because it this match means nothing. It's a weird match two three-way dance. I wish this was a simpler form of abuse. It just punched Tamanaga getting steamrolled by Shingo Takagi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's something that like it, it, it the, 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 that's the real Dragon System brand. Like the like the overall like just wrestling fan brain would be like oh yeah no i want to see like shingo versus like hip-hop kakuda or sp kento no uh the the, the real ones we, we know it's going to be a two-minute squash of punch Tomonaka, and he's going to use punch Tomonaka as a stool like and that's, it's that, going that's to the... be awesome that's the thing it's going to be incredible when he sits on punch Tomonaga. yeah yeah no absolutely uh you know this match was fine i would say it uh, it was funny like the rubana attacks that ginky found a way to both hurt punch and uh Rio saito when they were not the intended targets there but that was really the only notable thing i had about this match yeah this did this did nothing for me yeah uh we had the uh was a seventh royal sanbo uh this week uh running down the participants don fuji dragon kids sumi yokosuka yozushi kanda super shisa 
Konamaui Chikawa, Satyoko Boy, Takashi Yoshida, Yosuke San Maria, Problem Dragon, Ho Ho Loon, Eita. So I know there are people that were concerned that Eita was hurt after Corkin because like the cold spray like this. Eita was in this match and BB Hulk. The final uh, elimination of the match was Susumu Yokosuka getting a jumbo pen on Don Fuji in 13 minutes and 21 seconds. And, you know, the, this was one that like had a really funny theme to like start off with. And it kind of just petered off in a way. I'm amazed that these matches have been as entertaining as they have been. Obviously, for the first few months, it was Konobami Chikawa in his undefeated streak. Once that ended, I kind of panicked. It was like, oh, God, these matches are going to are going to become a drag again. And then last month, they did Mochizuki versus Saito in the finals, and they had like a four-minute Dreamgate epic style of match. And then this time, they ran it back with Susumu and with Fuji, and I thought that was awesome. This was another really, really fun Royal Sambo match. I can't believe these continue to over-deliver. Yeah, no, like, the, the, the reason why I said it petered off, like, Don Fuji was one of the first people in here, and it, and it was all of the jobbers, and he just ran right through them, and he was standing around for, like, the majority of the match, like, waiting for more people to get in the ring, and that kind of popped me. Uh, other than that, like, other funny things, uh, Mario chased around Susumu to start, and uh, Hoho and Shisa having a regular-ass match right in the middle of the ring when everyone else is just kind of, like, taking a breath there. That cracked me up. Like I said, finishing stretch, really solid. Uh, Susumu kicked out of the nice German suplex. He kicked it was out of a, a nice one, a, a, a Gato clutch near fall that had all of the drama of a Dreamgate match sandwiched into a match three Royal Sambo Battle Royal. Incredible stuff from Fuji and uh, Susumu, and then Susumu ended up winning with the Jumbo Nokachi. Like I said, great closing stretch. Really, kind of one of those hidden like, oh wow, Don Fuji can still go when he needs to. I I think at this point. Unless it's, you know, an offshoot Triangle Gate challenge, I don't really anticipate him getting any more title matches throughout his career, but he could still hang at that level. I was really impressed with his output here. No, no, Don Fuji has always been cool, and Don Fuji rocks, and and you don't have to to convince me that Don Fuji can still go here, case, but it was great to see, like, him and and Susumu, someone who's still probably, he'll probably get some Dreamgate shots. I don't think he'll get another run at this point, but, you know, these are two guys that are, firmly in the back nine now being able just to go out and throw it for about five minutes at the end it was really sick would it shock you if dangerous gate 2021 was headlined by kz versus susumi yokosuka for the Dreamgate title it wouldn't and that would be a good place for him that or like gate of origin you know mm, l- yes, l- very true. L- l- like uh dangerous gate is like the fifth of the big five shows in my mind so like that does make sense there i mean i still think it it will be a better chance than not to be KZ versus Mr. Oda City there, though. Oh, very true. Very true. That's, you know, uh, not to get too far ahead of ourselves because the match hasn't happened yet, but you look at that KZ possible Dreamgate run, the natural Doi match, the natural Susumu match, the Yamato match has to happen at some point. The Mochizuki match. The Mochizuki match, which I, I I would say is probably the least likely of that bunch, but still one that it wouldn't shock me. if That that seemed like a Gate of Origin match. If they ran that at Gate of Origin, I would lose my mind. There's just so much there with KZ, and it's not a, a necessarily a fault on Skywalker that he hasn't, outside of Ben K, and to some extent, Ashita had these natural opponents that you could immediately build to. But man, KZ could really hit the ground running if he wins the Dreamgate belt in July. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's something that'll be very interesting as we get closer to July 31st. Like, 
at this point, I'm 50 50. Uh, it sounds like you kind of are leaning more towards KZ at this point. Very much so. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, match four was a high end versus RED tag, building up the no rope lumberjack match in Corkin in July. It's Yamato and Kagatora versus Kai and the biggest brain at all, pro wrestling, Hio. And the big brain got it again. Double count out in 12 minutes and 12 seconds. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed this match. Okay, so this one I was not crazy about it. And I think that's probably going to be our most divergent take on this show. Obviously, was it, you know, atrocious? No, it was not. I thought it was probably the weakest of the big brain double countout performances we've seen from Hyo, which wasn't necessarily targeted at him. But for as, you know, for as rational as the Yamato versus Kai build has been, where on paper everything has made sense, I followed it all. I can't necessarily say I've enjoyed a ton of it, which is the weird the weird thing about this feud. I see what they're doing. I think it makes sense. I do think the no ropes match next month is going to deliver, but I was saying this before Dead or Alive where I'm just kind of ready for these guys to not wrestle each other for about eight months. And so seeing them here in you know, just a match for me uh, did not light my world on fire. Yeah, you know, it's it's something that I what I really enjoyed in this case was I feel like that Kai and Hyo have a sneaky twin gate run in them, and I was like, these two scumbags work great together, and that's what kind of bought me there. Kakatora has more to bite into than he has over the last few years, and you know, Yamato and Kakatora like dating back to try Vanguard. They didn't team a whole lot, but they had great chemistry together, and I just thoroughly enjoyed it and i and i will pop each time that Hio gets double count out when they pull it off there and just like the the, the crowd that like that it, it's something that i know it's somewhat over but it's one of those things that this is the first time that the big brain was unleashed on kobe sambo hall just like the first time that they, they, they see this and they're just like uh this little fucker just cracks me up I am an avid supporter of the double ring out committee, which we talked about a few weeks ago, the the M2K gimmick that kind of dominated Torimon in the year 2000. All of that stuff, by the way, is on the Dragon Gate Network in the Torimon archive section. That entire year is up there on the network now where M2K was purposefully ruining matches by trying to get double countouts. Hyo is doing essentially the same thing. I like it. I think it's a really entertaining idea. And I would be very curious to see how that would get over if somebody tried to steal it in America. Not necessarily saying that somebody should, but I would like to see what that crowd response would be. Oh, God, I'd imagine. In certain spheres, people would be like, this is terrible. But, uh, but people like you and me would be like, hell yeah. Your your double, double count out committee, we're here for it. But yeah, I, I totally understand how you might... Uh, how we're diverging on this i went three and a half stars on this just because like i was really like, kind of feeling the match i was like oh yeah no and then of course this double count out that does not bring down my rating in this instance and you know i just enjoyed it but i totally understand with like yamato and kai we've been talking about this it feels like for almost a year now <laughs> or it will be close to a year coming up on the uh, dangerous gate 2020 yeah yeah which I, and i still think that's the high point of the feud i don't think any of their their in ring has delivered to the extent that I would have wanted it to, but the initial turn, Kai turning in that Dangerous Gate 2020 cage match, perfectly executed. Really a phenomenal, phenomenal heel turn. And unfortunately, again, the feud has been very logical. It's a weird one where I can't really complain about the booking. I just haven't liked any of their matches a ton. And that has been the bummer because they've essentially been paired off with one another for seven months now. Yeah, no, and it's one of those things that like, 
I'm glad that it's out of a title picture in a way, and they're kind of sequestered here. But then now it's like, okay, after this match happens, there's still three weeks till Kobe World. And do I necessarily believe that's it? Should be it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they try to run something back and for three weeks build. Speaking of Kobe World, Mike, we got a nice preview of that main event in match number five. Oh, not only did we have that, we had, at least for me, the eagerly anticipated reunion of Mochizuki and his top pupil from Mochizuki Dojo. It was Shun Skywalker and Masaki Mochizuki versus the Natural Vibes team of KZ and King Shimizu. KZ got the win over Mochizuki with the KZ time in 13 minutes and 34 seconds. And holy shit, this was <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> You get the uh, the, the Mochizu- Mochizuki Dojo reunion with Mochizuki and with Shun Skywalker. You get King Shimizu and KZ teaming up for the first time in Natural Vibes. And also, as they pointed out on social media, a Dial Hearts reunion between Shimizu and KZ. So uh, much like Alexa Bliss on Raw earlier this week, a lot of lore surrounding this match. This was a ton of fun. Uh, I I would not be surprised if on the second Kobe Sambo Hall show this month, we see Shimizu and KZ paired off against Naruki Doi and a partner of his choice. I think they are very deliberately trying to line up KZ against his former Dreamgate opponents. He obviously lost to Mochizuki in 2018 in Tokyo. He lost to Pac in 2019 in Hakata, Star Lanes, and Fukuoka. I don't think they can get Pac back in the country, although... That would be tremendous if they could. Uh, and then he obviously took the loss to Doi last February as well. So it would not surprise me. KZ pinned Mochizuki here. My guess is when we get that card for the the end of the month Sambo Hall show, we'll see KZ in some uh, form of natural vibes against Doi and a partner of his choice. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that I think is like you, you put KZ in the ring against Masaki Mochizuki and you're going to have a good time. You have Shun Skywalker in there who, I mean, it's kind of something that Shun Skywalker, the Dreamgate champion, felt like the fourth wheel or the fifth wheel in this match. Completely. And it, I don't necessarily think that's an indictment of Shun. Well, I guess I, maybe uh, it is. Maybe it is. You, I mean, you could certainly push back on that. To me, it's like, okay, you've got Mochizuki and KZ. Those guys have dynamite chemistry. It's Mochizuki in a pushed in like a featured match, which you really haven't seen him in in a few months. And then one of your first King Shimizu matches. But skywalker i i don't know if he rose to the occasion in this match yeah no he 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 definitely felt like a passenger here uh there was like this opening stretch where they had the face off between kz and shun and they were doing wacky yave arm submissions i was like all right we're gonna be fine in july here but that was really the only note i had of him here whereas i was like kz and and shimizu Chimizu is so fucking cool right now. Like, just like he he does like moves, and then he does like the Alex. Uh, he does the Alex right uh, Das Wonderkin dance. Uh, his position in the full six man natural vibes dance cracks me up, and everyone loves it. Like, it's massively over, and just like you have Masaki Mochizuki doing his favorite thing to, in the world to do. Case, and what is that? That is injure Casey's midsection. He loves to punch his stomach. He loves it. I am I'm with you on King Shimizu. I think this is like I said last week, I think it's a home run. I think it's a tremendous act that is going to keep Shimizu relevant. Like, I, I think this is a positive step in his character development. Uh, as we've talked about on the show before, we are not people that get bent out of shape over a 30 second dance entrance that is super over with the live audience to me. To me, if I was booking a promotion 
and I had wrestlers that were super over doing something inoffensive and then they wrestled and had great matches. To me, that would be a positive. I can see why some people wouldn't like that, but I do think those people are wrong. So to me, this Shimizu stuff is a big win. And, you know, outside of the dancing and a few air humping spots, which look, it's Dragon Gate. That is this promotion to a T. <laughs> that is the Dragon system, my friends. Outside of a few air humping spots, he is, uh, you know, positioned as a beast in the same way that he was in, in R.E.D. Almost because he was kind of the bumbling fool in R.E.D. He's not really positioned like an idiot in this match. He's kind of back to being a brute force. I, I just I think some people are way off base on on what this gimmick is. Yeah, and he, he here's a here's a big bellwether for this. That I want to ask you, Case. Do you feel like that he is someone now that could have a Dreamgate shot? I don't think just yet. Uh, but as I've said, since he put on the Ultimo Dragon mask, he is one shot put slam away from being right back in the main event scene. So, you know, if it was now they're in the same unit, so it's not going to happen. But if it was Shimizu versus KZ at Gate of Origin, I don't necessarily yeah. think that would surprise me because I think you could heat him up with a September Corkin and he would be more than ready to go for that big of a match. So it's it's in the realm of possibility. I think it would take just a little bit of work to get there. But it would not surprise me at all if it happened sooner rather than later. Yeah, and the reason I say that is obviously he was not going to be that with Bukudamo Dragon. And towards the tail end of R.E.D. was not even sniffing the Dreamgate picture. So I think that this is positive momentum. And I, yeah, he does need like like shot put someone and just be like go on a little bit of a tear. But I mean, that's kind of the story about anyone who gets built up for a Dreamgate match unless like you win a tournament or... You're like Naruki Doi or Yamato who could probably say like, yeah, I want a Dreamgate shot now, please. So if they were running the 2014 schedule, you know, around that time period where they were running a champion gate in Hakata right before world and champion gate in Hakata was headlined by Skywalker versus King Shimizu. That wouldn't have been shocking to me. I think that's a match that would have fit that spot. No, no, no. If he was in this position around champion gate, he could have been in that spot. He could have been in the Corkin the traditional Corkin title match, which I guess we're not really getting this year. So, you know, it, it things aren't as dour for old King Shimizu as one would think. But yeah, I want four stars in this match, the, this rule. I'm at I'm at three and three quarters, so not far off. It's, you know, it's Mochizuki and Casey for the most part. And, and when Skywalker was in there, I think we've seen in the, the little bit of evidence that we have, Skywalker and KZ have phenomenal chemistry. They already have a banger singles match at a Kobe world. I'm not worried about what they can do. To me, the story here was the, the bonus treat that we got of Mochizuki and KZ beating the shit out of each other. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous 
round bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's gonna be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably gonna get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net. Arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We ate our vegetables and we got a good dessert there. Uh, main event for Kobe Sambo Hall this was Masquerade versus RED. It was Kota Minora, Jason Lee, Dragon Daya, and La Estrella versus the R.E.D. tandem of Kasuma Sakamoto, S.B. Kento, Diamante, and Daya Inferno. Kaido Ishida got the night off, I realized when I was watching this. Uh, the finish was Daya Inferno hitting the Inferno, which is all in undercase, all in lowercase, which is his top rope lung blower on uh, Dragon Daya. And proceeding right after that, there is a Triangle Gate challenge that it will be S.B. Kento, Diamante, and Daya Inferno against the Triangle Gate team of Jason Lee, Dragon Daya, and La Estrella for 731. Yeah, I believe Ashida is off this upcoming tour, this these weekend shows as well. Now, he just had, as of the day we're recording this, his new theme song was announced, so I don't think he's in deep trouble. I don't think he's in the doghouse, uh, but I do not know why he is off these shows. But yeah, he is off this upcoming weekend shows. He was not on this Kobe Samba Hall show. This main event, though, Loved it. Uh, notebook match for me, four stars. A really fun match that obviously showcased the masquerade chemistry. Dialy, Minora, Stray. That's a pretty well-oiled machine at this point. I can understand if you're someone that is is mainly watching Dragon Gate, Cork, and Hall shows, and then your bigger shows throughout the year, and then hunting down either just what looks good on paper or the wrecks that we throw out there throughout the year. If you're not sitting down and saying, okay, Kobe Sambo Hall show from opener to main event, here I go. I can see how the the combination of R.E.D. guys in this match with Diane Inferno, Diamante, Cosmo Sakamoto, and S.B. Kento, how that might not jump off the page at you. That is a pretty odd collection of guys. I thought they held their own here, and I kind of thought Diamante was the star of this match. Oh, yeah. No, Diamante was the star of this match. I, again, we had tough love, or I really had tough love for La Estrella. Uh, 
Diamante made La Estrella look like God, and then he did other crazy stuff. Like he had, I forgot who it, it he had. A, it was, a, I think it was on his shoulders. It was SB Kento. Uh, Jason Lee had it set up there and did a really cool Doomsday Stunner off of that. That I thought was pretty sick. Uh, but yeah, no, Diamante probably would have been my star of the match and just was a tremendous near 20 minute match and you know we've been saying this since december masquerade versus red like this is another match onto the comp tape here and this really was a interesting match because there was a lot of heat on dia and of course dia being out for so long it was nice to see that and have him added into the mix here as well just was truly exceptional stuff i thought it was absolutely tremendous and the inferno lung blower which uh inferno now that he's back on show since dia is around He's been beating everyone clean with that lately. Yeah, this is, like you said, this would be the perfect addition to some sort of R.E.D. versus Masquerade comp tape if those still existed, because this match will get lost in the shuffle. By the end of the year, we will not remember this match just looking at the names on paper. But much like I've talked about with Hyo recently and how he has really found his place on the roster. I know what Hyo is. I know who he is. I know where he fits in. Diamante in probably a role that's more based and I don't want to say like in a shoot but it's not quite the gimmick but Diamante has become an incredibly reliable base on this roster and if La Estrella is wrestling on TV in the near future I want him paired off with Diamante I think those two kill it with one another it's a little reminiscent of and this is going to be high praise, but if you look at Joe Gagne's Twitter, at Joe Gagne, he gift a few spots from this match. It's very reminiscent of what Claudio Castagnoli was able to do with a young Pac and a young El Generico and a young Ricochet, where those guys at one point obviously had these death-defying, spectacular, high-flying moves, but they really, I would say they needed help pulling them off and Claudio was the help Claudio was the base and some of what Estrella was doing in this match was phenomenal I mean he is really when he is on he is such an impressive wrestler and he got that little boost he got that little aid from Diamante here so those two were absolutely terrific and I have been into the the Dia Inferno versus, versus Dragon Dia stuff since its start I'm glad they're heating that back up I of course called my shot the night before the show, I said SB Kento versus Coach Minora is happening at Kobe World. No, it is not. I will take the L on that one. But the Triangle Gate match that they set up should be terrific. And that could be happening at Speedstar Final, to be fair. Like, th- th- that's a match that, would, because the rest of the show is going to be so slanted towards Masato Yoshino, that they could do there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, it, it's very interesting to me that on World, we're getting this straight, triangle gate match assuming they don't add more teams to the mix it's not like between you know inferno diamante and sp kento and then dia lee and menor i guess it's what dia lee and estrella sp kento is a burgeoning superstar he'll he'll get to that point eventually where you could point at him and go he is absolutely one of the top dogs of this promotion but that is a pretty why not is it fair to call that like a standard affair triangle gate match it it weirdly feels small for World, but I think it has a chance to blow everyone's expectations away. I, I did a poor job of explaining that. Does that make sense to you? No, no, no. Because you look at the players that are still like left open at World, and Yamato's left open, 
Doyle will be doing whatever Yoshino's doing. And then Ata, you know, he's still in the mix there. And now we're looking at, like, of course, Ata can't be in the Twin Gate team, uh, Twin Gate match, because RED has Twin Gate belts. I don't suspect Doi did have a speed muscle challenge a day before Masato Yoshino retires. So it, it, it's shipping up already to be, at least with, like, the top-line matches. It's kind of interesting how they're going. Like, Shun versus KZ, like, I know that everyone loves KZ. KZ only had his first ever Big Show main event last year. Yeah, last November. And yeah, so it's interesting how they're saying this card because it does not feel like this is something you're going to do, making sure you get two straight sellouts in a row. I think if the RED team to the the more, I guess, outside, outside looking in Dragon Gate fan, at least in the West, you would you know, put together, you know, Inferno, Diamante, and Ata, or Inferno, Ata, and SB Kento. It, I think the match is great. I think the match is going to be excellent. I like the match on paper, but it does feel almost shockingly sparse for a Kobe World match where they typically load up this Triangle Gate match, and I would have expected a Natural Vibes team and a high-end team or Doi and some guys at this match. I love that this was the direction they go. I hope that Triangle Gate match gets a ton of time, and I hope there's a clean finish because I really think it could be not only a great match, but we've talked for so long about how good these RED versus Masquerade multi-man matches have been. There hasn't necessarily been the defining RED versus Masquerade multi-man. They could be putting this match in the position to have that be the one that is ultimately remembered as time goes on and as our memories get shorter and history moves on without us. This could be the defining RD versus Masquerade match. I hope it is. I'm just shocked that this is the direction they go, given their their recent history of how they booked the Triangle Gate match at Kobe World. No, absolutely. And it's one of those things that will be interesting to see over the next uh, 50 days how they further flesh out this card because like, this is, this is on paper, you know what I mean? it's going to be tough with having KZ in a main event and Shin Skywalker the way he is to be the match of the night here. But like, it's going to take a lot like from like the brave gate match, whoever Okuda has, and then whatever uh, Sakamoto and Shida defend against to kind of supplant them. The like this match as like my, my call for, okay, this could be the match of the night. And it really could be the defining match of this comp set that we've kind of put together over the last few months. Uh, Do you have any other big Thoughts about the first Go by Samba Hall show in June before we move on to previewing this weekend's show? Like I said, four stars. I think that main event is just a different enough match to where you should really go out of your way to watch it. I think it was a lot of fun. And that semi-main Shimizu and KZ versus Mochizuki and Skywalker, also worth your time. Absolutely, yeah. Just and I mean two and a half hour watch. And really when I say two and a half hours, it really is like two hours and fifteen minutes, two hours and ten minutes, because the way that the VODs work, that you know, you fast forward nine minutes or really twelve minutes to get to the end, get to the first match hitting the ring, and then you take out fifteen minutes for intermission. I mean, these shows are two hours, like you can crush them pretty quickly. And I heavily encourage people to go out of the way to see the entire show. It's it's a fun it's a fun time. Cosine and this weekend, Mike. We're getting a very fun show that airs on the Dragon Gate Network, uh, essentially as a make good because the Okinawa shows were canceled. Yeah, so originally this was going to be, or next weekend would have been the Okinawa weekend, the weekend after next. And this was just going to be a show that there I, I, there was a little bit of confusion, but it was announced proudly by Ginky Horiguchi on the house, Mike, this is going to be on the network. It is 
and Kunamoto and Kunamoto Joe Hall, the Ginky Horiguchi Homecoming Show on the 12th. It is a 6 p.m. Japanese Standard Time start, five-match show. But really, I'm like looking up and down this show, and all five matches have potentials, potential to be bangers looking at it. Yeah, no, this is a fun card. I, I'm curious to see what the effort level is going to be like. Obviously, this is not one of those shows that is is normally uh, on the Dragon Gate Network. Like I said, kind of put up there as a make good. But the lineup is interesting. None of these matches necessarily jump out as like, oh, my God, I have to see that. But I think all of the matches are interesting in their own right. I, I mean, we'll, we'll get into this. I think one of these matches really looks ex- exceptional. Uh just going to run down the card case, and then we can give our thoughts. Um, the opener—it's a five-match show, by the way, so it's it's going to be a it's going to be another short one on the network. And the opener is Don Fuji, Ryo Saito, and Binke versus Yosuke Samaria, UT, and the freelancer Kota Umeda. Uh, second match: Ultimo and Yazushi Kanda versus Kai and Diamante. Third match: Jason Lee and Dragon Daya versus BB Hulk and SB Kento. Semi-main event is Shin Skywalker and Kota Minora versus Eita and Hio. And the main event, it's featuring Kunamoto's favorite son. It is Natural Vibes versus High End. The Natural Vibes team of KZ, Susumu, Yokosuka, and King Horiguchi, along with hometown hero Kinki Horiguchi versus the High End team of Yamato, Dragon Kid, Keisuke Akuda, and Kagatora. So big picture, you can just go match by match here. The opener is interesting because you got Umeda, the freelancer in there. He wrestled on Horiguchi's homecoming show last year as well. That obviously did not make tape, but is making tape this year. Match two, Ultimo Diamante signed me up. I'm very into that combination right now. Very, in, I'm very into the Diamante right now. His stock is rapidly rising with me. Match three, Leon Daya versus Hulk and SB Kento. That, if Hulk is even just you know, slightly on. If he is having an average night, that match could be a ton of fun. Lee and die against SB Kento. That's those are matchups that sound very intriguing to me on paper. Skywalker Minora versus Aten Hyo. That obviously has the potential for a double countout, but I think the Skywalker Minora pairing, especially coming off Minora's King of Gate, that is a very intriguing combination. And then your main event, I am so excited that they're not doing natural vibes versus RED in this spot, just because I think we would know what that match would be. You know, Hyo would eat a backslide from heaven or the beach break or something, and it would be a pretty obvious result. I obviously think in Horiguchi's hometown that the natural vibes team is still going to go over, but against a high-end team that we haven't really seen them wrestle before, Yamato, Drankid, Okuda, and Kagatora, that is going to be a really fun match. I am really interested in that. Yeah, that this is the match that I thought could like blow away, is the blow away match of the night, just because... Dragon Kid and Susumu, we all know the history there. Uh, KZ with everyone on that team, that he has great chemistry with all of them. Uh, Ginky, I mean, it's Ginky Horiguchi. No one has the amount of crowd. No one's able to get the crowd in the palm of his hand like this. And it's going to be in his hometown. Like, come on. Like, imagine how rapid they're going to be to see uh, Horiguchi here. And, and again, like Shimizu with Kagatora and Dragon Kid, that the he has people he can throw around. Him versus Akuda as a baby face is something I find real interesting. And then him and Yamato have always been good in the face. Also, Kota Umeda is a very interesting person case. Yeah, I don't feel like I know a ton about Umeda. The issue with him is that he, I guess he's a freelancer now. I associate him as one of, 
this will sound incredibly condescending and it's not meant to be because I know there are DDT fans that would say this exact same thing about Drangate. To me, he has always been one of the like million DDT guys that just blend in with one another where I know I've seen them work. But if you put all of them in a lineup, I'm not sure I could nail who exactly is who. I know I've seen him work. I know I think he's talented. And that is as in-depth as I can go with Umeda. Yeah, uh, Umeda was a member of the DDT DNA project. Yes. And pretty soon after the end of the project, I think it was like 2019, he retired because he was going to work in his family's. He's from Kunamoto. He's working for his family's business. And he's reappeared occasionally. And he's appeared in Dragon Gate, of course, in Kunamoto. I just find it kind of fascinating like this. And usually it was someone who was like on these shows, like we've talked about before. Shingo Takagi would always have uh, Yuji Okabayashi and Daisuke Sakamoto on his. Uh, Don Fuji would also have Okabayashi on it. it. It's one of those things they like having people who are relevant to the town there. But at the same time, like remember how much like we, uh, how much we would see Keisuke Akuta's name pop up on the, on the Benkei homecoming shows. Yeah, like, exactly. it'd be interesting to see. And especially against the five, against the, the team that uh, Umeda is going up against, that's like a good bellwether to see if this guy is someone to keep an eye on and see if there's a potential here for him coming in. But it seems like that he's really a part-timer at this, but I think it's kind of fascinating about this, but it, this show is going to be really interesting. Uh, I remember this very vividly case. I don't know if you saw this on iHeart DG when it did, I wonder if uh, Ginky's mom's going to be there with her food stall. Do you, do you ever remember hearing those stories about that? I don't think so. No, that doesn't that doesn't ring a bell. So I remember this during the Jimmy's days that Ginky Horikuchi's mom, I I guess at one time had a restaurant in Kunamoto, and she would always like set up like a food stall whenever they come to town. And he was always so proud. I was like, yeah, my mom, my, my, the one of the most famous women in Kunamoto is coming here for this. And I'm just very excited to see if we, if there's a chance we can get to see Mama Horikuchi on this show. We were talking at the beginning of this show about the, the private life in Japan and how that's such a big thing. And Mike and I recently have, have kind of wandered into trying to nail down which members of the Drangate roster are married and which ones are not, because I think some of the names that have tied the dot would surprise you because they're very active on social media. You would just have no idea that this person has a family. In one of the, the Drangate yearbooks that I just bought, I think it's the 2015 one, they do a big spread of Horiguchi hanging out with his wife and his daughter, and it is adorable. I You know, Horiguchi is hashtag girl dad personified. He's a wife guy. He's a good man. I still like I I go throughout my life and this is not a cheap plug, but I, I would recommend it if you haven't heard it. When we did the the Dragon System podcast with Alan Forrell talking about Greatest Wrestler Ever, which is over on Pro Wrestling Torch right now, Alan went on this passionate rant about just how hard Genki Horiguchi tries at everything, whether it's the natural vibes dance or it's his costumes or it's the finishing stretch of a big match or it's the opening match where he's just trying to get the crowd warm. Like, Horiguchi tries so hard at everything, and it I'm not going to say it made me emotional. It's not like tears were streaming down my face, but it did really hit home of this is why I love this promotion. It's because no matter what, Genki Horiguchi is going to bust his ass at everything he does. So I'm stoked we're getting this homecoming show. I hope it gets a warm reaction. And this card looks like a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, no, it is 
I, I can't wait for this show. It'll be a lot of fun to to be able to watch it this weekend. Again, that'll be on the 12th on the Dragon Gate Network. And then after that, they will be off the network until they return to Kobe Sambo Hall on the 26th. So we're probably going to be getting into some speed star hours, Case, I think, in future weeks. Yeah, we do not have a, a plan locked down, but fear not. Open the Voice Gate will be back next week. Absolutely. And we'll be talking about this show at the very least. That's true, like, yes. But we'll see how, how June, the rest of June looks. And we've talked about how the July schedule is looking a little thin on the network as well. But we, we're, getting a, we're getting a surprise this weekend. And I'm really stoked to see this Kunamoto homecoming show. Was it last year or two years ago, the, the one that uh, Lupus Matsutani like, showed up at someone's homecoming show? Oh, God. Uh, did he, was he there wrestling or just there in spirit? Oh, no, he wrestled. You don't remember like that? I need to look this up right now. Oh, like I uh, remember this or, being a thing, but I don't remember what it was. Oh, I guess where so, it was. Yeah, no, this is this happened with uh, the one night return was uh, okay. I'm pulling this up right now. Great audio here. It was in 2019, and it was in Kunamoto. So was this on one of the Horiguchi shows? Yeah, it was Horiguchi and Oji Shiba because the Shiba family is from Kunamoto as well. That's right. Oji Shiba had a, a very nice tweet about Shingo yesterday talking about how uh, he was often abused by Shingo as a second in Shingo's big matches and how he really <laughs> appreciated that time and how he's very happy uh, that he was he was able to to do such a thing. Also, referee Nakagawa, I thought, had a tremendous tweet of simply saying congratulations and then two different pictures of Shingo closed lighting him over the top rope. I really enjoyed those as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, we talked about this earlier with Don Fuji. I did notice that, like, when Susumu posted this, KZ said, "Like, oh yeah, he called me too." I checked my phone; it was at five a.m. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, just, just fantastic! I the, this twenty nineteen Ginky Horiguchi Homecoming show. You had Doi Yoshi and Dragon Kid versus Kakatora, Martin Kirby, and Jimmy Diamante and Kazma versus Jason Lee and Oji Shiba. The Lupus Mazitani one night only comeback match. Yamato, BB Hulk, and Lupin Mazitani versus Ryo Saito, Don Fuji, and Gamma. Benkei and Shun Skywalker versus Mochizuki and Akuda. And then Ginki Horiguchi, Keizi, and Sumi Yokosuka versus Eita, Big R Shimizu, and Yuzushi Kanda. That's quite the card. Yeah, God. I would have loved to see the Ben and Shun versus. Uh, mochi and okuda match like holy crap yeah that, that sounds excellent insane. that sounds like that's maybe one of those i i know the unit alignments wouldn't make any sense right now but maybe run that back when you have the chance that seems like a match i would like to see on tape in the year 2021 i mean yeah like that 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 would be absolutely insane but i think that's it for us this episode case unless you had anything else you want to hit on uh, no, I think that's it for me. We covered Shingo, we covered Kobe Sambo Hall, and we previewed the Horiguchi Homecoming show. I had nothing else on my list. Yep, I think that'll do it for me as well. You can follow the podcast at Open VoiceGate. You can follow Case underscore in your case. You can follow me at Fujiheo, two eyes like Don Fuji. But that's it for this week's Open the VoiceGate. We'll be back next week talking the Ginky Horiguchi Homecoming show. So for Case, I'm Mike. Thanks for listening. Take care.